0: I respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugambeh language region, the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, and pay my respects to their elders past and present, and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hello guys and welcome to Miss Inclusivity, the podcast. Uh, this week we are joined by the lovely Miss Vegan. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited. I can't wait.
0: I'm so excited to have you on. So today we are all talking about pretty much like expectations versus reality of first year of teaching. So Miss Vegan here is in her first year of teaching at the moment. Um, So she's going to be sharing all of her experiences and prompts around that as well. But we always start every single podcast with the exact same question. And that is what made you want to be a teacher?
1: And I feel like most of the answers are always pretty similar, but I've wanted to be since I was a child, literally since starting kindy. I had like the best kindy teacher in the world. And I think I was just like, oh, I want to be like her. I want to be, I want to make school fun like that. Um, Yeah, I did go through a phase of wanting to be a high school teacher when I was in high school, Um, but that quickly ended when I realised the attitudes of high school kids. And I was like, no, I just can't do that myself. Props to anyone who can, but not me.
0: I'm the same. Yeah. I'm totally the same primary school kids all the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like, they like idolize your teacher as well. Like, I'm not saying that like high school students don't idolize their teachers. I feel like they only idolize them really in like 11 and 12, when you're starting to really get that really strong relationship because you've been together for so long, because usually in high school, you only see like a group of students, maybe for a total of two hours a week.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the thing I was, yeah, I, I like the relationships. I like having them like spending all day with them and doing, you know what I mean? Like building those relationships over that period of time. So I think only seeing little groups for short periods of time, I was like, mm, I think, yeah, I'd rather the the primary school setting. Yeah.
0: I'm the exact yeah. same. And um, What would you say has been the highlight of your teaching career so far? Um, I
1: think. Building the relationships with the kids as we kind of just touched on, like getting to know them all and getting to spend time with them. And I think there's, there can be so many funny moments, like when you find out something about a kid or they say something and you're like, oh, my goodness, like I wouldn't have expected that to come out of a kid's mouth. Or no snoring, filter. Like, yeah, no Exactly right. They have no filter. Um, that and just like seeing how far they've come. I think especially being on kindy, like they progress so much in such a short period of time and just one day they might not be able to do one thing and then the next day they can do it and you're like, oh my goodness, you're amazing. I cannot believe that has changed so quickly. So I think, yeah, building relationships, but also watching them progress and seeing how they grow and learn. And yeah.
0: Beautiful. I love that so much. What has been um, one of the challenges of your teaching career so far on the flip side?
1: Um, I think, which we'll definitely delve into later, but figuring everything out because as we're going to talk about, you don't, kind of know everything you need to when you go into it. Um so I think that's been tricky. And just finding the balance between work and home because it is it can be a very consuming job. Um and it's something that I often say like, oh I had a dream last night about that kid and oh I had a dream about how I need to do that thing or something like that. do you know what I mean? Like it really can yeah. be your life. But yeah, just finding that balance, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And do you find that you're
1: finding the balance now? I think I'm getting there. I think I'm getting there. Mm. Um, it is also tricky. Like, I think at times you you can kind of question yourself and be like, am I doing an okay job? Obviously you have such fantastic days where you see the kids progress and you see them mm. do really well and like, oh, my God, that's amazing. But then you also have those days where you come home and you're like, oh, like, am I doing them justice? Like, and you know you are deep down, but it's just that, yeah. Yeah. You know I and mean? that can be true. 100%.
0: You know, and usually it's the... Definitely, obviously, you get the feedback from the students, but the feedback from colleagues as well. I feel like, especially like other teachers, say for instance, in your year level, or even teachers who come down who aren't in your year level, and they're just like, "Wow, I've heard that you're doing an amazing job." That I feel like could be so rewarding, especially being kindy. Um, so what we call them Queensland Prep, um, would be so rewarding, especially. Yeah. Um, coming up to halfway through the year, though, what has been the biggest lesson from your first year in teaching? So you graduated last year, is that right? Yes.
1: Yes. How yes. do so I it last year? Um, I think the biggest lesson is, like I said, finding the balance, like coming to terms with the fact that you're not going to be able to do everything, like it's just not possible. I might, you know, want to get that display up and cut it and laminate it or make a new resource for them or, um, yeah, that sort of like making it all look pretty. I know we, like Instagram, everything's very nice looking and you might want everything to be perfect but, I think accepting that it's not always going to be perfect and you're not always going to feel like you've got everything covered and you're on top of everything because there's days that I walk out of the classroom and I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's a mess and it's chaos, but then, you know, you can come back the next day. And I think finding that point where you're just like, no, I need need to go home, I need to turn off and just relax. So, yeah, I guess finding the balance and accepting that not everything is going to be perfect and not everything is going to get done and that's okay.
0: And that's okay, yeah, 100%. So in Queensland, in prep, we, all the prep teachers basically have a full-time teacher aid. Is that the same in New South Wales? No, (gasps) definitely not. No way. Oh, my goodness. So in no matter what school that you go into in Queensland, in all of the prep classes, which is equivalent to kindy in New South Wales, you have a full-time aid with you no matter what? No, not a thing in New South Wales. (gasps) Why am I only just learning this? Wow. Yeah,
1: I didn't know it was a thing in Queensland, to be honest, that you had a, a teach aid. I get, um like, a, I, sometimes I might have an aid in my room for a small period of the day for certain students. So I believe we get, like, a specific amount of funding towards students that might have, like, um, additional aid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I'd say in a week I'd have an aid maybe, I don't know, like, a few hours out of wow. the whole
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. So, yeah, because we literally go, for instance, at one of the schools that I work at, they have kindy, which is basically what you guys would call preschool. They have a preschool yeah. at the school. And there is yeah. a obviously a teacher and then there's an educator. So still two basically teacher figures in the classroom. Then they go into prep, which is your kindy. Um, this is very confusing terminology. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> they have the teacher, which obviously would be, for example, like yourself and they would have a full-time aid with them. Now, for instance, if there are students with special needs or additional needs, additional learning needs, they would even bring an additional teacher aid into that classroom to cater for that student or those students who require an extra set of hands. So I have once, not even going to lie to you, in a prep classroom when I did relief teacher aid for like two weeks straight, um, there was a period where there was five like either teachers or teacher aides in the classroom.
1: Oh, my goodness. That is Crazy. so, so, so different.
0: So different. Maybe it's just like the special education funding or even like tea trade funding in Queensland. Yeah. It must be totally different to New South Wales.
1: But even just down to like what we call kindy versus what you call kindy and what's prep. And do you know what I mean? Like I can't believe how different that is across Australia. Like we're the same country, but it's so, so different the way it all works. And, mm. yeah, I can see how confusing for people that change states and things like that.
0: Yeah, well, being somebody who lives on the Gold Coast at the moment, um, at the moment, like I'm going to change that, um, it's, we're literally on the border of New South Wales, as most people probably know. So especially yeah. like given when lockdowns and stuff were happening, there were people who literally would live on one side of the street and they would be in Queensland and on the other side of the street, it's New South Wales. So they couldn't yeah. actually cross over their street. But the same thing applies to education. You live on one side, which is basically here, and then you could drive 10 minutes down the road and they're using a whole different curriculum, but you guys call it the syllabus, whereas yeah. we use the Australian curriculum. So now yeah. I go to a university that has campuses on both states um, and they it's so confusing. Like every single unit, of what, a unit that I do, it is completely different. They're like, oh, use the syllabus. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about use the curriculum and then new south people's like what's the what's the curriculum where you use the syllabus it's crazy how different it is isn't it that is absolutely
1: insane the fact that in the same uni you're learning different things that's crazy,
0: crazy. yeah and then when now it's getting to the pointy end of the degree they're just like okay you can choose what curriculum you want to use for your assignments because obviously like you're going to be going into the profession soon and you should be using the curriculum that you're going to be using which is just crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, when you say kindy, I, my mindset goes straight to like kindy, which is like three- and four-year-olds, whereas for you it's like five- yeah. and six-year-olds, yes? Yes, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, um, what would you say has been the major component, though, um, that you believe should have been covered in your degree whilst we're touching on the topics of uni? Yes. I have been thinking about this
1: one over the last few weeks just while I've been working obviously like as I do things now I'm like oh yeah I wish I'd learned this at uni so I've got quite a few I've got program evaluation so obviously we write our programs to use during the term Mm -hmm. um, and then we're meant to evaluate them as we teach throughout the term and I think at uni there was a big focus at least for me um, on writing programs um, but we never got taught how to properly evaluate programs and what that was meant to look like, what we were meant to include in that. So that's something that I very much learned to do on the job. I don't know about you with all uni, but yeah. no, yeah. same
0: thing. It's a very strong focus yeah. on for your first like what, like maybe like your first two years, maybe even to your third year, the real strong focus on those five-page lesson plans. And then in your final like two years, it's a real strong focus on, a unit of work, but still those units of work are so unrealistic to what it's actually like in a classroom. Like they make you put so much stuff into a unit of work, whereas yep. an actual unit of work that would be implemented in a school is about half the size. Definitely. And I, but I definitely that see that the evaluation section of it. I saw that on all my pracs and I was like, wow, I would love to learn about this.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, back to what you said as well about the unit plans that you do do being so different to what they end up being like in school it's just not practical because yeah you like you said you might do a 10-page unit plan at uni but then when you go to school you're not going to actually write a 10-page one because you kind of want it to be shorter so that you don't need to read through as much and you don't need to you know what I mean like you, it's, it's like thing yeah exactly so yeah definitely programs slash program evaluation I think behavior management it was touched on a little bit at uni but I'm talking like minuscule, like I got into the school and I was like, OK, I would go and talk to other teachers and I would go and talk to my deputy or my principal and get advice on how to manage these behaviours because, it, yeah, we weren't taught. And I guess a lot of it was trial and error, um, but just having some strategies suggested to us at uni that we could then go and try when we get into the profession.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, that was definitely something that I just learned along the way.
0: I agree. That's
1: crazy. Big one. Um, assessment, like, um, assessing kids on their reading levels or, um, I know like maths, I don't know about you guys. We have an assessment called the IFSA assessment. Um, and when my school first said that to me, I was like, I have no idea what that is. No idea how to use it. I've never heard of it either. No, I hadn't until this (laughs) year. Um, and then like Best starts, so when kids start kindy, we have to do a best start assessment. Um, no idea how to do that either. So they're all things that I've just kind of learned on the fly. Um, and then I've also got reading groups because... I was about think- to say
0: that. I was literally yeah. about to say that. I have watched this so much this year and, like, it's just something that they don't teach you how to set up. It's just like these are all the things that you need to take off that students need to be able to read by the end of the year. Go for it. It's like, yes, yeah. reading groups are the best thing in the world because you can cover, and I love math rotations as well. I love both of those yeah. things because it, it yeah. gives you multiple exposures to the same concept, basically. Um, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't even know where to start. Like it's like, yes, mm. I would get collect data from what the reading level the students were at last year, but that's just their level. Do I know that they know how to predict? Do I know how to, how to, how, do? they know how to infer? Do they know how to use phonemic awareness? Like any of those things. So how did you learn on the fly?
1: I was very lucky in that my I did my first prac with um, a teacher with at the school that I'm currently at, funnily enough, um, and she was on kindy at the time and I was so lucky that she was amazing with reading groups and I kind of just learnt from her. So then when I came in and did kindy at the same school, um, I basically just implemented everything that she taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, she's now also my assistant principal. So Wow. Um, in funny, funny ways. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. And I'm kind of just took everything from her. And then obviously also again, learning on the fly now that she's my assistant principal, she comes in and observes me and gives suggestions and things like that. Um, and again, just talking to other teachers and asking them what they do, observing what they do. Um, I've definitely gone into a few classrooms and stolen some, uh, little games and things like that because you know, when's the time to <laughs> prepare all the games and activities. Yeah. So yeah, just, again, learning from colleagues along the way, I guess.
0: And especially, yeah. like, in the same year level or teachers who have had experience in the same year level, 100%. Yeah. No, Definitely. I totally agree. And I feel like that's what my first whole first year is going to be, exactly the same as you, mirroring that and just learning on the fly. Um, yeah, if you okay. could give any advice to some almost graduate teachers, <clears throat> me, um, <laughs> what would it be <laughs> and why?
1: Um, I think the biggest one would be just believe in yourself and that you're doing an okay job. Like there's so much in the media about teachers quitting in their first year. And, you know, I I don't blame them. There's been a few times this year that that I've been like, well, this is a lot, but um, just believing that you are doing a good job and that you are, you know, doing what you can for the kids. And I think um, listening to the kids and the parents, when they say, you know, you're doing such an amazing job because it gets said. And sometimes I kind of just go, yeah, oh yeah, cool. Thanks. But then Really listening to that and going, okay, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a good job. I'm doing okay. Um, and just asking things all the time. Don't be afraid to ask questions because, yeah, I mean, if I was in my second year next year and I had a first year teacher coming up to me, I would know that they feel like a pain for always coming up and asking questions, but then I was in the same position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like a pain this year trying to ask questions all the time, but that's how we figure it out. And we've just discussed the fact that uni doesn't really prepare you as well as it should so we all know that and yeah I think or teachers are always willing to help where they can
0: so of course yeah and I found that no matter what even on my last pracs like it was just like any teacher is willing to give their advice and help out wherever need be how many pracs did you have over your degree if you don't mind me asking
1: I only had three same so yeah when was your first one
0: so my first one I did mine at the end of my second year
1: we did ours at the end of our third year was that so, planned? Yes. Nothing to do with COVID. There was oh. no COVID at that point. Yeah, it was just that's what the uni did. They've now changed it, thank God, because we had people that get to their third year, second semester of their third year, do it, and they were like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. That's, you know. that and There's semester. your hex step. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. Yeah.
0: So then in your final year you had to do two pracs? Two, yeah. Wow. And did you, because obviously you're in New South Wales, did you take up any relief teaching while you were in your final year?
1: Yeah. So at the, after my last, sorry, after my second last prac, I was allowed to casual teach. So I completed my second last prac. I applied to Nessa um, for my casual number and then they put all that through, approved that, and then you can work as a casual teacher until you have to go back and do your third prac which I found so odd because you've been working as a casual teacher and then you have to go back and do prac yeah yeah Uh, it is it is interesting
0: but I feel like that would have been a massive learning curve for you do you feel like you learned more behavior management strategies on those prac I mean on those casual relief teaching days than you did at university
1: definitely and more than on prac too because as much as prac you learn a lot. Like I learned so much from my pracs, but being in the classroom by yourself and not having the prac teacher there to step in if need be That's definitely true. taught me a lot as well. And I was lucky because when I started casual teaching, I actually got put on the class that I did for my second prac, if that makes sense. So um I was familiar with the class and that really helped with casual teaching because I think that can definitely be a very nerve wracking thing going into your first casual day. So yeah I was lucky did you, yeah
0: at oh that's mm. good so you knew the class before you went in did you do um many different year levels and many different schools
1: um I did so I did prac on kindy then year five then a three four composite um I never did year six and I never did a casual day on year six so they kind of scare me a little bit I'm a little bit terrified to eventually do that um yeah I never did year one or year two
0: no relief yeah. days on year one or year two
1: uh, actually, maybe. I just might not remember them. Wow. Actually, I think I did. I did every year casual days, but I never did U6. I just remember that very distinctly in my mind, never having done yeah. U6. Uh,
0: I mean, they yeah. are definitely different to the kindy kids. Um oh, let's yeah. see that's that's <laughs> the the big kids at my jam. I don't know why they're all like the same size as me, but I, I just love
1: them. And they come up to me and I'm like, yep, yeah, you're taller than me, but that's okay.
0: Terrifying, <laughs> isn't it? And they're in primary school. <laughs> okay. It's crazy. so different to what you're just used to. They're being like a waist height. I do find yeah. it interesting though that you're a kindergarten teacher. Um, so prep in Queensland. Again, I'm just getting my mindset into yeah. the zone. Um, <laughs> as a graduate. Now this is, I've been, I've spoken about this with just like colleagues in general. And because my thing is we come out of university and the main thing is they tell us all just to make sure to understand and collect data, collect data, collect data, collect data to understand your students and therefore get yourself set up for the year. How did you do that as a graduate in kindergarten? Because not only are you coming in blind as such to what the profession actually is like essentially, but also blind because you don't have as much data. You basically have that test that you set at the start and that's all you have to base your pedagogy off.
1: Yeah, that was tricky. I think um, that's probably the thing I found hardest is navigating that while navigating teaching as a profession. Um, Yeah, we did our best start assessments, like I mentioned to you, which is like, it's a little bit of English, a little bit of maths, nothing crazy. Um, And then we did a couple of like, uh, orientation days as well where we've got to observe the kids and but I mean that wasn't really any assessment as such it was really just the kids coming in and playing and us identifying if there were any that we thought might need you know like a bit of learning support or things like that um and then it was kind of just on the fly again everything's on the fly wow. isn't it
0: <laughs> You've yeah, done amazing yeah. then. Absolutely amazing. And props to you. I am still shocked to my core that you don't have a full-time teacher aid because that's all I'm used to. As a relief, as a relief <laughs> teacher aid, that I fill in in prep classrooms yeah. all the time because obviously there's so many teacher aids in prep. So that's why I'm yeah. just I'm just dumbfounded. It's just crazy. Yeah. Wow, oh, I feel oh, like oh, listeners on both both sides of the state line are going to learn lots. Yes. Also, they people sure all across Australia are gonna learn a lot from this because I feel like we've learned a lot from each other. But um where can everybody find you on Instagram?
1: Uh so on Instagram I'm just Miss Vegan P H as we were discussing before we started. Um <laughs> yes that's me
0: awesome we thank you so much for coming on and i thank you so much for you sharing your wisdom and congratulations on going over the halfway point of your first year of teaching you're doing amazing thank you so much and thanks for having me no worries and thank you guys for listening we shall see you next week bye thank you
1: bye